After Alex had turned on the camera light, a panic wave went through the flock. He saw a long, dark hall full of de-beaked, derailed hens in tiny cages, cackling and screaming. A sudden coldness hit him at the core, and he took a step back. It was like a scene from a utopian horror movie. My name is Henrik Vilenius, and I'm the author of the Rise Up Trilogy, a young adult coming-of-age story about Hashim, Alex, and Mariam confronting real-life issues like climate change, corrupt politics, animal cruelty, and racial and gender equity. One. A high fence surrounded a vast, sparsely lit compound with dozens of long, windowless buildings. A worn-out signboard stood on a barren ground facing the road. It pictured a traditional country house next to a wooden barn and free-gazing hens on sloping meadows. On top of the illustration, Mary Farm was printed in an old-fashioned font with a slogan. Even chickens recommend us. The door to one of the low buildings cracked open. The eerie, silent night was broken by the screeching cries of thousands of hens inside. A young, dark-skinned man in dirty overalls stepped out. He wiped sweat from his beardless face and threw glances left and right. The door wouldn't close. With mounting desperation, the worker yanked the handle up, but it wouldn't hold, and the shrieking noise only got louder and louder. A broad-shouldered man watched the worker from the shadows. As he ground his teeth, a scar that ran from his right earlobe to his Adam's apple shifted back and forth. He pulled on a pair of surgical gloves and zeroed his cold, deep-set eyes on the target. As if sensing the danger, the farm worker slammed his body against the door, and this time, it stayed shut. It was quiet for a moment, until he started coughing hard, and soon, it turned into choking. After wiping his mouth with his hand, there was blood on his palm. He wiped it against the seams of his overalls and dug out a golden locket necklace on his chest. He stopped wheezing as he laid eyes on a picture of his pretty girlfriend. In a nearby barrack, a skinny, weather-beaten man was brushing his teeth after taking a shower. To let the moist air out, he opened a small window and caught sight of his friend, slanted against the door. They both hailed from the same native village in the uplands of northeastern Guatemala. As he saw the security chief marching toward his unobservant comrade with a fixed-blade hunting knife, he froze. He wanted to warn his best friend, but he also knew that there was nothing he could do to save him. The farm worker lifted his eyes in time to see the security chief raising the blade and inserting it into his stomach to his abdominal aorta in one clean sweep, cutting the largest artery of his body. His head fell forward as he took his last breath. After dashing out to shut down the bathroom light, the skinny man prayed to his gods that his presence went unnoticed. 2. A wiry teenager was sprawled across an unmade bed. He watched an old video clip on his smartphone. He wiped unruly hair away from his eyes. Shifting his weight to his right bum did nothing to ease the quivering of his body. Alex avoided the video because still, four years after his mom's death, it opened locks inside him he would rather keep shut. Of course, 
He knew what it was all about. He had looked it up, as he always did. It was called a broken heart syndrome. He had to watch the video before his two best friends arrived, for they were finally going to visit Sandy Hook where the clip was made. He wanted to expose himself to grief in the comfort of his bedroom to save himself from the humiliation of going through a total meltdown in front of his friends in public. Fierce summer sun tried to pierce through the drawn curtain to his bedroom with little success. For Alex, it was a question of self-preservation. In his present mood, the sun was his enemy, and he wouldn't even consider going out without Hashem and Miriam by his side. Alex turned his attention to the video where he grabbed his mother by the hand and dragged her deeper into the water, despite her protest. For a moment, Alex let himself relive that beautiful summer morning when everything was still relatively well. He could still feel the salty sea breeze in his nostrils, so different from Lake Michigan. He had learned to love. Yet, he couldn't have shared the sensation with his mom because her sense of smell was already gone. And not only smell, but taste too which made her cooking often inedible as she tended to use too much salt and spices. By that time, Alex had already learned to take it one day at a time. With his mother's illness, he couldn't think much about the future. For a multiple sclerosis patient, there wasn't much to look forward to. Her brain and central nervous system was slowly shutting down, and there was nothing to be done about it. All Alex could do was to hope that the medication would slow the process and ease her pain, and that his mom still had a few years to live. The tightness in his chest only got worse as he watched his mother laughing as they both fell into the shallow water in the video. If he only had known then what he knew now, his mother could still be alive. Dr. Roy Swank, an eminent neurologist, published his 34-year study into MS and nutrition in 1990 in The Lancet, one of the oldest and best-known medical journals in the world. It showed that 95% of those who followed a low-saturated-fat diet remained active at the end of the study period compared to 7% of those who did not. 20% died of MS in the compliant group compared to 80% of those who did not comply with the diet. Unfortunately, none of his mother's doctors ever talked about the benefits of nutrition in treating MS. Apparently, it was bad business for Big Pharma and its lackeys. Hashem narrowed his eyes and shot a glance at Miriam, who was driving. But you'll sleep with your aunt and we'll take the couch, right? Miriam waited for a moment before she let a smile wash over her face. It's okay. She doesn't mind if I sleep in the same room with two boys, and her bedroom is tiny. Hashim drew his brows closer and gave a hesitant nod. Although the semester was already over, his somber, nondescript dark slacks and a gray short-sleeve button-up shirt revealed he was still in his serious study mode. His goal had been to qualify for a scholarship for sophomore year in order to not burden his parents with the tuition costs, and he qualified. Still holding tight to the steering wheel, Miriam glanced at him on the passenger seat. My aunt knows all about you two, and she's looking forward to meeting you. Anyway, she's the one who opened my eyes, so to speak. During the pause, 
Hashim perked up in his seat. It happened six years ago during Eid al-Hadda, Miriam continued. My dad had invited family, friends, and employees over to our place after the mosque. A smile lighted up on Hashem's smooth face. Eid al-Hadda was his favorite holiday. It celebrated the tenth day of pilgrimage and honored Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his own son as an act of obedience to God. Important part of his family's ritual was the slaughtering of a goat in a local halal butchery. And often, Hashem's dad would also welcome their non-Muslim friends to take part in the feast. In his early teens, Hashem had been plagued by doubts of his worthiness before God for his homosexual longings. The idea of sacrificing what you hold dear had appealed to him and brought him some peace. But it had also made him vulnerable to manipulation by zealots. Hashem bit his lip to shake off the bad memories. My father always took such pains to explain to some of our guests that Abraham never had to go through with this promise to sacrifice his son. After all, God gave him a goat instead. Then he realized he had sidetracked and said, But tell me what happened with your aunt. After we got back from the mosque, we all gathered around our big dining room table ready to dig in. When it was my aunt's turn to be served with the piece of the goat, she suddenly stood up and walked off without saying a word. I could see the shock in people's eyes, but otherwise, they acted as if nothing had happened. Miriam turned her glowing eyes on him. But later that day, when all the guests had left, the shouting began. My father said words like, I've never been humiliated like this before. So my aunt pointed out that the Quran said that every animal should be treated well. And this was not the case with the farm animals today. Next, my father stated that rejecting what had been allowed by the word of God is haram, and that the prophet had eaten meat. Then my aunt shot back that 90% of the food the prophet ate had been plant-based. And on and on and on they went until my aunt stormed out of the house and they didn't speak for a year. Touching his parted lips with his fingers, Hashem tried to think of something to say. The cause social discord was condemned in the Quran, but so was personal corruption. It was the latter what Miriam's aunt had meant when she refused to eat meat. That was not raised according to Quranic principles. Both fitna and facade were essential concepts in Islamic ethics, but which one was the lesser evil? That was the million-dollar question he had been struggling with all his adolescence. Miriam wiped her eyes. Still, after so many years, just thinking about her aunt's morale courage made her weep with pride. Her actions paved the way for me. That when I became a vegan a year and a half later, my father didn't even put up a fight. By that time, he had already made peace with my aunt, whom he loves very much, and he knew I was at least as stubborn as his sister. Very wise of him, Hashim said and chuckled. My mother, though, she reacted to it as if I had murdered somebody, but that's a different story. Miriam crumbled into her seat, her poor mother, so lost in the modern world. Her refusal to eat her mother's food must have been such a blow. Only now, so many years later, she realized how hurt she must have been. She should have been more understanding and patient. Pulling her shoulders back, she decided that this summer she would attempt to spend more time with her mom.
So, are you close to your aunt? Hashim asked, raising his eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, she's always been telling me to think for myself, engaging me in debates and giving me interesting books to read. Hashim stretched his muscular neck with his hand. Uh, like what? Like books by Arshad Manji. Hashim nodded his head, raising his eyebrows. Do you know her work? Don't label me, or how about Allah, Liberty, and Love? This time, it was Hashim's turn to break into a smile. <sighs> of course I do. Everybody talks about her in our group. Miriam winced. They had been going to the same school for nine months, and she didn't even know this about him. Like good Muslim students. They both had been so busy with their studies that they had no time to talk about important stuff like ideas and aspirations. Besides rigorous studying, she was heavily involved in an animal rights group, whereas Hashim was a diligent pre-med and an LGBTQ plus organizer in the campus. I'm sure Alex will like her too, Miriam said, fidgeting with her long curly hair. Actually, he did. I lent him the most recent one. Even if Hashim had delivered the last statement with the kindest of intentions, it felt like a slap on her face. Miriam swallowed hard to hide her disappointment. She should be the one to talk about female Muslim reformers with Alex. She cleared her throat and said in the most even tone she could muster, <clears throat> That's good. Soon they reached the house where Alex was staying. His aunt had given him the attic room in her narrow wooden house in Queens. Further down the street, Miriam spotted a parking place and turned on the blinker. She felt anxiety rising. It always appeared when she was going to parallel park with someone on board. She reached for her emotional support remedy in her handbag. It was a handmade perfume she bought from a small Lebanese shop in Brighton Beach, where they mixed their own cruelty-free fragrances according to her wishes. And after a little puff, she finished the job with flying colors. Stepping out of the car, Miriam glanced up and saw the closed curtains of Alex's bedroom and exchanged a worried look with a shim. They both knew what it meant. Alex was still in bed. When Alex heard the squeaking of wooden stairs outside his room, he hit his phone, buried his head in his pillow, and pretended to be asleep. Not that he thought his friends would believe it, but he did it more for the sake of appearance and he needed a time out before facing their worried questions and pitiful looks, which he hated the most. He was a mess, and his room was a mess. So what? He wasn't a neat person like Shem, who kept his Spartan room spotlessly clean, or creatively tidy like Miriam, who kept her quarters cozy and color-coordinated. After a knock on the door, Alex mumbled something incomprehensible. Next, he detected the sound of steps on the wooden floor right beside him. He would not take a peek to look at who was there. Anyway, the only people who come for a visit were his two best friends. The pillow was only covering his eyes, and his nose could pick up the heavenly scent that he knew belonged to Miriam. If anybody would ever ask him to describe it, he would say it had a touch of wood, rose, and citrus mixed with light white flowers because it sounded so damn good. Alex cried out, and his whole body jumped an inch from the mattress when he felt the tickling on the sole of his feet. Despite his pleading, the tickling didn't stop until he turned around and faced his tormentor. 
whose mischievous grin made his friend look like a 12-year-old brat. It's time to get up, you sleepyhead. Is this a New York thing? Hashem asked as he marched to the window and yanked it open. You used to be an early riser. Alex narrowed his eyes. He wasn't up for a lecture. I had an evening shift. Somebody's got to work for a living. It took a couple of seconds for Alex to realize that both of his friends had stopped smiling. <sighs> Look, I'm sorry, I... I'm sure Hashim didn't mean it in a bad way, Miriam said. Alex stared at their upset faces and groaned. As he lifted his torso up, Miriam moved her eyes away from his naked upper body. Alex didn't see it as a gesture of modesty, but due to his inconsiderate outburst, it made him feel doubly guilty. <sighs> Actually, I stayed up half the night writing an article I thought was so good, but when I read it this morning, it was total shisa. You just haven't found your story, Miriam responded. At first, Alex wanted to strike back at what Miriam had said, but he felt too emotionally drained to do that after watching his dead mother on video. Of course she was right. However, it was easier said than done. He had spent countless hours trying to come up with something that would spark his imagination. But it was all just a waste of time, and he was at his wit's end. Hashim stopped in his tracks on the way to the car, staring at a pair of shiny blue swim briefs Alex was pulling out of his bag. You're not wearing those? No, you are. It's a little present, Alex responded. Hashim's jaw dropped as Alex shoved them in his hand. No, 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 no. I'm not. Not in a million years. The idea of wearing something that would expose his most private parts was absurd. He had been brought up with strict rules to always cover his body from the navel to the knees with loose clothing in front of everybody, even his own parents. In the gym, he would change in the bathroom and wear his long shorts in the shower. If he couldn't hide behind a curtain. Ah, but they're a la mode in Europe, Alex said. And also on Fire Island. Miriam laughed as she clicked the doors open. Hashem pinched his face. Fire Island? Where the heck is Fire Island? For real? Alex said and grinned. I've never heard of Fire Island, Hashem said in a controlled tone. Are you sure you're gay? <laughs> Even I know about it. It's one of the top gay destinations. <sighs> whatever. Hashim sat down in the back seat and slammed the door shut. Feeling the elastic materials under his fingers, he couldn't help himself from getting excited by the idea of wearing them. He leaned down and sniffed. They smelled odorless, except for a light scent of air freshener. Then it hit him like a hammer. He must have looked like a real pervert sniffing the briefs. Thank God Miriam and Alex were still outside, talking, paying no attention to him. Hashim had spent so many years hiding his true feelings and carried such a heavy shame that still, after ten months of busting out of the closet, he was too traumatized to openly desire or be desired by another man. Somewhere in the back of his mind, he knew that after all those hours in the gym, he could be considered hot by gay standards, and he would look good in those briefs. After getting in the front seat, Alex turned around with that knowing grim that Hashem hated 
but couldn't resist. Under Alex's playful gaze, all tension dissolved, and he leaned back, his frown turning into a smile. <laughs> I knew you knew it. Alex reached out to poke Hashem's shoulder. Anyway, Fire Island or not, we need to find you a man, with or without those briefs. Hashem groaned, merely out of habit. During the last year of high school, it was his mother who had been plotting to find him a suitable partner. Since she gave up on him after his coming out, Alex took over the job. Oh, you remember that black guy we saw in the Starbucks last Saturday? Alex continued. The guy with the buns you could bounce a quarter off. Alex! Uh, he sure had a glint in his eyes when he checked you out. He did? I'm sure he wouldn't mind seeing you in those briefs. Alex said and smacked his friend's forearm. Hashim bit down his smile, not wanting to encourage Alex to describe the man in more vivid details, like his friend would if there were just two of them. As Alex helped Miriam to navigate through more road work, Hashim stole a glance at the swimming briefs and felt an adrenaline rush. Maybe someday soon, he would gather up enough courage to wear them. Thank you for listening to the Rise Up Trilogy podcast. For more information, go to my website henrikvilenius.com. <laughs> <laughs>